Independent yet all the same Left the labels but still following the rules Doing it their way Hey For what? We find ourselves in each other's way When all we gotta do is find a lane That's our own Cause there's enough creativity Hey, hey it is a different world with creatives on campus where we explore all things creatives, campus culture, and community. I am your host, Brittany T, and I am here today with Alexandra Van, founder of Building Capacity. And here is what you need to know about Alex. With an unruly amount of passion and determination, anything is possible in today's world. As a wife, boss mom, and entrepreneur, I am looking to take my 30s by storm. Mixing my original Jersey girl attitude with a DC vibe, I am determined to make the District of Columbia my playground and reform education from a creative behavior perspective. Alex? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I love all of that. All of that, like boss mom flair that you gave us in that. If that didn't speak, Alex, I didn't, you know, I don't know what does. So thank you. I'm glad you heard me through that. Yes, I heard you loud and clear. <laughs> so just just tell us a little bit, um, a little bit about building capacity, um, like why you started building capacity, what that those two words even mean. And um, yeah, that's a good starting point. Building capacity is a dream come true. A business started about a year ago, um, really because I feel like I was squeezed out of my comfort zone in my daily, everyday job, work, activities. And I was actually given the platform to finally create what I wanted to create. And I was denied every avenue that I chose prior to that. And looking back, hindsight is always 2020. I'm like, oh, that's the reason. The reason was to actually put my dream forward and be squeezed into making it happen, if that makes sense. Um, so overall, building capacity provides professional development and consulting services for behavior intervention. I'm a child behavior specialist. I've been for 10 years. Um, And I've been working for a school system, a county school system, which has been phenomenal. But I realized that I could do it better. I could pair with people who can do it better, um, who have relevant and practical understanding of today's society that has the drive to go and do it. And... At our core, we strive to build capacity within ourselves and others for a growth mindset. And how we do that is by communicating effectively, connecting often, and providing consistency within our strategies and skills. So, so this, this show really is focused on higher education, but I think one of the things that is not said enough, um, at least within my world, is that a lot of what happens at the secondary level and even before is absolutely related and connected uh, to what will be produced at the higher ed level for students. Um, And so when you talk about building capacity, you talk about growth mindset, 
um, all of these terms for me anyway are are relatively new. And I guess that's because I'm not in your industry. But even with with as a student, like I don't know where there were opportunities on a secondary level or at any point K through 12 to really tap into what you're talking about. Um, what, what can you say about that? Like why, why now do you think more than ever we're seeing such an emphasis on these types of conversations within education and, and, and do you see it also as connected from what is happening at the K through 12 level to then, then college? Yeah, it's on the mental health continuum. A hundred percent. I can say a lot of school districts initiatives are around mental health behavior wellness because everyone is starting to realize that if you are within a family who has experienced trauma or exposed, that affects your daily school routine, your education, because at the basis is behavior. And you can't Mm -hmm. actually sit down and focus on your academics if your behavior doesn't allow you to. Because Mm -hmm. last night you experienced something at home that was traumatic. And so that leads into higher ed. Were you given the tools and resources and strategies and secondary to help you be resilient? Or not? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of educators are starting to realize it is a continuum of mental health. And in order to achieve higher academics, you have to take care of the behavior. Yeah, and I think I think particularly with, with this conversation, it is almost even a good opportunity to talk about college readiness and this idea over the years that, that we continue to hear reiterated about students not being college-bound ready or not being a, a good fit for college or not. And, and I think it's almost something we've said as if, as if some people are just born to go to college and some people are just born not to, when in fact, my perspective on it is just that some people are groomed for it and some people are not. Like some people are made ready for it and some people are not. And so um, just even that, like what, it, what are your thoughts and what, what have you even seen and heard as a part of your own college experience for students um, who don't even see themselves as being, you know, college just isn't for me. That that whole phrase, college just isn't for me. Anything's possible because I can tell you back in the day, I thought I was 100% college ready. I was college made. I was ready for this. Let's do it. And it came and I hated every minute of it. And I was like, whoa. My expectation of what I thought and what actually was occurring were two different things. So Mm -hmm. for those that think they're not made for college or college ready, it might actually be opposite. You may actually have all the skills necessary and you just don't know it. It hasn't been reinforced for you to know it, but it exists inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge. I think if we were able to actually help students preparing for college to see and understand their own skill sets and say, you're really strong at this. You may have some deficits here, 
but these are the tools and resources for that resiliency. Just don't lose sight of your strengths because your strengths are going to carry you in so many ways. And I don't think people notice their strengths or maybe they do notice their strengths, but others don't. And I think that could be a wall. If you're like, Hey, you know, I think I'm really good at being an artist. I write music. I think I'm really good at it, but everybody else around you tells you that you're not, you're most likely going to think what everybody else has told you. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you actually know deep down inside, like your intuition is like, no, I have something here. This is really good. And then finally you get it in the hands of someone who says, yes, this is amazing. You're like, whoa, now I was finally reinforced by someone else. And now I see my strength as true. Right. Right. So resiliency really being like a a big, big part of it. Um, um, I, I thought of two things while you were talking. One, you said you talked about like your expectation of college versus the reality of being there. And once you got in the classroom and, and I think that um, that's a really, really good point uh, to this show's point of view, which is, um, you know, like I initially said, are, is it true that college just isn't for me based on whatever assumptions that I have, or is it possible that we are doing a great job at, painting this fantasy college almost looks like a college resort with all of these fancy buildings and the amount of money that universities are dumping into the landscape of their institutions, but not the reality portion, which is the classroom engagement piece, which is um, the true value that students are gaining. I mean, I even almost think it would be pretty brilliant and, and beneficial to have behavior interventionists come and sit in college classrooms to do self to do assessments of not just how the instructor is teaching but how the students are engaging if they're receptive if if there are challenges that can be identified that can continue to help build that resiliency and i'm not sure i've ever seen a university um who even takes that that standpoint why do you think we we do it in secondary and k through 12 at large but when we get to the college level, we just, all of these types of uh, student team resources, just they, they just stop. In my eyes, I think it would be because you're considered elite. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, college is the top, the top of the game. You finally reached it. We're here. We've been through everything. Mm-hmm. We are elite. So why would the elite need someone to put them back on track or to analyze, you know, the the deficits or the gaps, because in higher ed, you think you got it going on, right? You are the ones producing the research. You are the the analysts. Now you're fostering an analytical approach and teaching everyone of this higher thinking level, but no one would ever go, Oh, Hey, actually what would help us is if we were analyzed too. And then I would say, secondly, would be resources and, um, right. you know, money. Or that everyone's an adult. Like in secondary and, and um, in elementary, I am considered the adult looking at the children. So those mm-hmm. are two different lenses, right? But if someone comes in almost on an equal level, I'm an adult and the students in the classroom are adults, they're going to feel a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is also interesting. I mean, the perspective of I'm the adult and you're the children, almost like this position of authority versus like you're here to learn. And that, I, I mean, I even see that same model and, and, and mindset continue to trickle over into college, which like you said, these are essentially adults. So you're engaging adults in this way. Uh, and I especially think about the creative who is just like, you know, it's just a whole nother level of self-awareness and, and, and uh, just awareness of what they want to do and achieve that is very potentially different than, than the traditional norm. Um, that approach is not going to work. And even at the K through 12 level, I, I, I challenge that whole mindset and, and really consider the value of partnering with our students and partnering with one another and viewing our relationships in that way. Um, Absolutely. You hit it right on the head there. Yeah. If we can learn from our students and put them up on a little pedestal. I mean, that's where it starts, right? That's where the resiliency skills and all the strategies start with the reinforcement. Right. The confidence, the self-esteem, the social emotional learning. If we actually help our children thrive in that department, then as you go down the continuum and you get to college, you will be more equipped with what you need. And I think now the schools in, in elementary and secondary are starting to realize that, which is why they're putting programming into mindfulness or into social emotional learning. Right, right, right. Yeah, tell us just a little bit about your own college experience in terms of, um, you know, where did you where did you go to college and just how that experience was for you. Um, I know you talked about your expectation versus the reality, but just a little bit more like how how are you able to be resilient through that experience, even amidst knowing like, you know what, I'm not totally feeling this. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. I have no idea. I, did. Um, I went to three different schools and, and going into it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do college in four years and I'm going to be a great alumni and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So that wait, was, you transferred you, where did you start? I started, I was, um, recruited for field hockey cause I played in high school. And so I got recruited for a collegiate team, um, it's the college is Washington College. It's on the eastern shore of Maryland. It's a private liberal arts school. Mm -hmm. And so I got recruited for field hockey. And then I also received a scholarship for um, National Honor Society. Gotcha. So that played a huge factor. Sports played a huge factor for me, field hockey. And then obviously getting the academic scholarship was a huge factor. I also uh, got recruited by a school in North Jersey called, I want to say it was William Patterson outside of New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also applied to University of Delaware and Westchester in Pennsylvania. So I only actually applied to four schools. Um, I got waitlisted in UDEL for nursing because I originally was a bio nursing major. Um, I didn't like the feel of Patterson and I want to say I also got waitlisted or denied Westchester nursing. So I went to Washington college and originally I loved it. I was like, this is perfect. It's small because I came from a small high school 
And I was like, this is great going into a small college, still understand my community, can make friends. It was picture perfect, like you described. The landscape um, literally came out of a magazine. And everybody was preppy. And at that time in my life, I was kind of preppy. So I was like, this is great. Everything is awesome. Mm -hmm. I probably lasted a month and realized I hated it. I called my mom and I said, I want out now. I do not want to be here. And we got everything in order. I transferred after the first semester. I never played field hockey. I quit after the first day. Um, and then I got recruited for sailing, which I don't know how that came about. Uh, and then I ended up in community college for the second semester of freshman year. Mm -hmm. I stayed there for about a year. I finished out my nursing prerequisites. And then I took the nursing exam and I applied for Roan University because that was in my hometown. And I also realized maybe I don't want to be a nurse anymore. And I started taking uh, psychology courses and I realized I wanted to pursue psychology. So I also applied to Rowan's psych department and I got accepted. And I said, that's it. I'm going to go into Rowan, into their psych program. And I am not going to do nursing. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I think even just, the whole idea of transferring, and especially with there being a few different transitions, I th transitions. I think that that's. I don't. I, it, to me, I feel like a lot of students get hung up on like, maybe it's just the social media age we live in now, where like you get accepted to a college, you commit to a college, you immediately post it on social media or tell the world, and so. People are excited and then there there's like this shame factor if you don't in fact complete that journey. And so like I, I, I've encountered so many students who will be at a university and hate it and know it's not a good fit for them and know that it's not working for them, but continue to feel like they have to be resilient in living that out for whatever reason. So I just applaud you for knowing it wasn't for you and and, and, and moving on. And you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't personally see enough students. Uh, yeah, they have the self-awareness. They know it's not for them, but they'll still just keep trying to make it work. I would, I would agree with you. Yeah. And, and I see that often, not just in college because I don't have as much higher ed experience as you do, but just overall, in general, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's careers or in a relationship. Right, right. Any of that. But I, I, I distinctly remember my exit interview at Washington College. They asked me, why am I leaving? And my response was, because there's not enough diversity. Everyone is the wow. same. I'm bored. And it, it's ironic because I went there to be a part of everyone who was within my community that was like preppy. And I mean, I went there for that amongst other things, but it all fit in the same thing. And then when I got there, I realized, oh my gosh, I hate this. Because I came from such a diverse high school, even though it was small, I had so many different cliques of friends and communities. And I realized that I needed that in order to make me like a whole me. You know what I'm saying? Like I kind of pursued my wants 
And I realized after pursuing my wants, it, this is not how I thrive. Right, right. Yeah, so at, after getting to Rowan and um, going through, through your program there, how, how do you feel like that experience and, and, and I think, again, you have a really unique experience of having been exposed to a few different university cultures as a student, but how do you think ultimately all of that ended up setting you up for where you are now with building capacity? Um, obviously, there's some level of connection with the psych and behavior track, but, you know, if you had to do it again, do you think, is it possible without college was college absolutely necessary for where you are and for where you see yourself going? What is your, what are your, what's your whole opinion about your experience? Yes. College and my degree is absolutely necessary for where I am now because I have used my actual title in my degree and everything I learned within my courses for my career in the last 10 years. And I can't say that everybody has done that, right? Like maybe you right. go to school for, for marketing and then you end up in a job for health tech aid or something, like, you know, mm -hmm. it, but I was able to, to use my degree to pursue every avenue and every promotion. Mm -hmm. I will say I only have a bachelor's in psych and that's incredibly hard to, to have and be where I am most people with a psych degree need a master's or a PhD. Um, but because I specialized, I specialized in my senior year of school. So I actually did college in five years. I don't know if I missed that or not. With all the transitions, I had to do an extra year. So I was on a five-year plan. And in my last year at Rowan, it was either study abroad in Prague or specialize in behavior. And I decided to specialize in behavior and it has worked out for me. That's the only reason why I can do what I do because it's specialization. Um, but as far as the classrooms and as far as the culture within Rowan at the time, I didn't like it to be quite honest. And I don't feel like it fostered all of the creativity that comes with psych. I feel it was kind of systematic and I challenged a lot of my professors and at the time, I think they hated me and loved me. I think they were like, wow, she's applying every theory that I'm teaching back at me. And I don't think professor, I don't think they want that. I think they want to teach you and to you go apply it somewhere else. Um, they don't like being challenged in that way. Unless you get a really good professor and they're like, yeah, challenge me. This is awesome. This is what we're here for. And I had a few. And with those few, I was able to really cultivate the change um, and the creativity needed in psych. So one, I think it's like you said already, it, it is definitely very um, just, I, I, I don't know that I know. I mean, unless you go for the school for like nursing or like, like you said, like the specialty, um, a lot of people do walk away like, wow, why did I even need that degree? I'm not even using it. I don't even do anything with that information. So um, I think in that way, again, you are very unique from a lot of the people that I've talked to. Um, and two, I think, again, even even that is is really what we're trying to um, 
convey to students who are in college and who are creatives is like, you know, finding ways to be more intentional throughout the college process and making this information apply to you and apply to, even if you don't have the job yet, like how does this apply to, you know, the brand or the, the brand that you're developing or the social media content that you're, you're, you're curating or whatever it is creatively that you're doing. So I think in that regard, I, I do think you are like an exception to uh, a lot of the traditional students who come through college and it's just a crapshoot of what they end up doing with that degree um, to actually be using it is, is pretty, is pretty cool. And I mean, I, I would say is definitely speaks to, you know, the effectiveness of, of where you are in the knowledge base and the expertise, because it's that intentional application that, that, that is making all of that come together amongst other things, right? The whole boss mom, you know, right. This personality part of you as a person. Um, but, but I think, I think that leads to the business aspect, right? Like I'm squeezed again, I was squeezed again because in order for me to stay in my position, I actually needed to get a master's. And I was like, no, I don't need a master's. I don't want a master's. I can actually become an entrepreneur now. And I started like comparing people who had higher ed degrees and people who didn't and the success and what they were doing and who was happy. Like I put a lot, exactly what you said, intention. A lot of what I do in my life is with intention. I really think hard. I really reflect. I'm very aware. And I make the moves based on that. Because I can tell you a time when I didn't think like that, life was messy. <laughs> it was fun at times, but it was messy. And I just kind of got real with myself when I said, we're going to do some things with intention and see how that works. And it works so much better. Um, and, and with the intent, now I have this awesome business that I feel truly empowered to be a CEO. I feel like a CEO. I know I'm a CEO, but I think that took quite a few trial and errors over the years mm -hmm. to have the confidence in that, right? To know like, yes, I am an expert actually. And yes, I can be a CEO because my bias or my prejudgment before was just like oh it's white men that are ceos corporate america and i'm like fuck that i'm gonna be the female that's the ceo you know right. uh, and my husband and i actually co-own our business so nice and i, I think there i i mean that's i have so many questions about that too but i feel like that's a whole other conversation of itself but <laughs> um just, I just want to, I just want to wrap, wrap this up because I want to be conscious of, of time, but I, I just tell us, I know you have, um, some summer projects that you're working on and different things. Um, just tell us like, how are you with being a behavior, um, specialist and interventionist and having that whole practice? Like, how are you using creativity? How are you infusing and partnering with other creative brands and even in yourself, like how are you using creativity to really distinguish yourself from the market um, and to just create more meaningful opportunities within education? Creativity is a form of behavior intervention. And I don't think people realize that. And wow. it's incredibly beneficial. So every creative I encounter, I'm like, you 
don't even know your potential and, and your, the benefits you have in the emotional, social learning environment. I mean, what you create and the programs you create or what I've seen with collaboration is phenomenal. I'm like, this is a behavior intervention. This is a positive behavior intervention that we can put into schools and actually channel and filter the energy for these children. And we can then take that information and reapply it back to core content. So for example, if you want to be, you know, um, one of the projects coming up this summer is actually taking creative programming for forward thinkers those who want to be in podcasts or create a podcast, YouTube channels, social media, influencers, taking creatives who are doing it now, giving back to the students, showing them what it is in a conference, um, you know, a few hours during a Saturday, and engage with them and then have a meaningful conversation with them and say, hey, this goes back to why you should pay attention in language arts. Because wow. you actually need to use appropriate grammar. <laughs> um, right. And so with that, we are going to then put forth into leaders. And we're going to give them a creative vibe. We're actually inviting them to a creative event. Give them the vibe and feature the program. So we're, we're meshing the creative world with the educational world and saying, your students loved this. Here's the data that shows and now we think you should feature it in your school because it's going to change the achievement gap and the behavior gap. Wow. I, I, I mean, again, that is, that is awesome. It's, it's exceptional. And I think it's literally exactly where education has to sh- have to shift their perspective, even at that level. I mean, these are things that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to advocate with, amongst universities who have adult learners, who have students who are already engaged in these things, and they're not even creating the spaces and the opportunities to connect that within education. So to see and to hear that this is something that, you know, you're, you're advocating for and creating space for working on it at the secondary education level, I just think is, is just amazing. And, um, and it's exactly what we need more of within education. So kudos to you for, again, that's the whole forward thinking. I mean, that is forward thinking in of itself, like to even create the opportunity. Well, it can only be collaboration, Brittany. You have to inspire what you inspired, the collaboration, the partnership. And with that, I said, okay, there's a vision here. Now let's execute. And I think that's the biggest thing, how to take a vision and execute it provide the need uh, or provide the, the solution for the problem. And truly, creatives are a solution to today's problems. Yep. So what, just leave us with one really, really quickly. Just what advice, what um, words of wisdom do you have for a college creative or even any student creative in general um, or even a creative professional. We, I think in a separate podcast need to talk a lot, talk a little bit more about these terms, but for a student creative or a creative professional, what advice do you have for them um, in in their path and on their journey? Get to know yourself 
invest in yourself, really dive deep and give yourself some good pep talks and some understanding and, and trust yourself, trust your intuition. If you don't know what intuition is, go look it up, figure it out, research it, do some practice on yourself, trust it. It's, you know, whatever your gut says, because more often than not, you're right. And if you believe in yourself, it's going to be so much easier to have others believe in you. So start with yourself first. Believe your intuition, trust it, and it'll take you places. Your magic will come out once you truly believe in yourself and your skills. Absolutely, absolutely. And where, where can we stay connected with building capacity um, or even yourself and just to, to see what's going on, what's coming up, and, and anything else you have going on? I'm not as good as you on social media, but it's uh, <laughs> for Instagram. It is building underscore capacity, and you can find us there. Also, I have my personal Instagram, which is A Iliescu, A I L I E S C U. That's about it. I can probably and hire. You have, a pod- you have a podcast that you oh, do. Yeah, we, do. we do have a podcast. Um, I have <laughs> another mom, mom boss. Um, it's called Mommy Glasses, M O M M Y G L A S S E S underscore. And that's on Instagram. And we're, we're just learning to figure it out on our own, you know, just trial by fire, figuring out our mistakes, figuring out what we like best, what works best, but just do it. I also would say, yeah. just do it. Just jump in. Like, don't wait for the yeah. perfect timing. Don't wait for the perfect environment and the perfect person. Like just right. do it and learn as you go. Believe that you're going to have your own tools for resiliency. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever's going to come, just trust you're going to be able to get through it. But if you don't ever start, you will never know. Yeah, and just letting go of, like, what I'm listening to you say is, like, the perfectionism of, oh, it has to look this way, it has to be this, it has to do that. And just, like you said, just kind of starting with what you have, where you can, and just going through the process. Like, Absolutely. I mean, you don't need, you know, to spend, I think that's a, I know we want to wrap up, but I think that's something a lot of people get wrapped up in. I need to go spend the money that I don't have on the materials I know are going to make a difference for me. And truly, that's not like, no, if you do not have that money, please be resourceful. Like look inside of what you can already use, you know, like we didn't go out and I think we, we bought a mic for less than $20 on Amazon and we use our MacBooks to edit, to, to record. So no, you don't need a recording studio. That's what's happening right now. (laughs) Exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, like even for logos, you don't have to go and pay somebody to, to give you a logo for, you know, 2,500. We sat, it took our time, but we sat there and we used free apps and we erased this and added that and, and moved that and changed the color. So, you know, time is money. You're either going to give up the money that you may or may not have for somebody else to do it, or you're going to take your own time to figure it out and kind of grow through learning. Absolutely. Alex, thank you so much for sharing. I am really, really excited about this um, episode just because again, like we we've talked to quite a few creators, but I think it always helps to have someone come on who can speak on uh, from a level of expertise and 
we all have expertise, but when it when it's rooted in um, something that impacts us all, which is, you know, mindset, which is behavior, which is social emotional learning, which is behavior intervention, I think it adds a whole nother level of um, a value that we need. So thank you for um, everything you've contributed to this interview and let's do it again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs>